All right, what up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Bailcast. I'm with super high-level strength and conditioning coach Phil Daru from American Top Team, and he just put me mm-hmm. through probably one of the hardest workouts of my life. I think there's probably two workouts that I felt were really, really hard. Are you familiar with uh, familiar with a guy named Dorolk? So he has a training system called RFT, mm-hmm. and it's like uh, like a billion different variations of like. Uh, bear crawl sit throughs cool. yeah. and it's kind of like this deconstruction training like his his uh, and so that was super hard yeah because it's just like i'm not used to doing bear crawls at like an inch at a time so anytime you have like yeah. this yeah. new stimulation mm-hmm. your body's just shutting down yeah and I, I think that that was one thing that i seen from you is that we need to eliminate those compensation patterns you know what yeah. i mean like making sure that you're moving efficiently yeah and having like Gotta more put this a bit closer yeah yeah, yeah. Having more of like a conscious mindset of how to move properly. Yeah. You know, because sometimes it's like with powerlifting, it's like, rah, you know, like you're you're using everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just one gross movement pattern. Yeah. Yeah. It's isolated in a way, but yeah. you're also moving the entire body, utilizing those isolation movement patterns, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I think that that was one thing that honestly that's gonna get you to be a better powerlifter because you're gonna be able to understand how to move each individual body part more efficiently yeah yeah yeah. so yeah the, that workout was awesome and it's the same exact workout that you put all your ufc fighters in mm-hmm. and so um i guess like one of the biggest questions that i even have is how did you even get yourself in a place mm-hmm. where these top level mma fighters even trust you with their strength and conditioning how did yeah. you get into that whole world yeah so well i've been doing this all my life i've been doing martial arts since i was four years old did kimbo karate which, uh, oh, it's Campo Karate? Yep, yep, I did that. And uh, at the same time, obviously, I was playing different sports and things like that. So I was always active yeah. as an athlete and uh, ended up playing college football, you know, long story short. <laughs> and then- um, Did you get a black belt in Campo Karate? No, no, I got my brown belt though. I did get my oh, brown belt. Tight. But again, like with that, I was a young kid. You know what I mean? It's not Could like- you do the splits? I could. I actually do have. I have pictures online. That's awesome of me doing splits on the beach in Miami. <laughs> Literally, I'm like four years old doing yeah. a split in Miami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I was a Ninja Turtle or something. I yeah. don't know, but you know. So after that, I started boxing and doing those things in high school. And same time, I was pretty good at football. Obviously, you know, American football, and got a scholarship to do that. And then after, what'd you play at? I played at Alabama State University. Oh, mm-hmm. sick. Did yeah. you, uh, how did you get into so many combat sports? Were family members in boxing and karate? Yeah, yeah I think, well, honestly, I grew up in a, a pretty rough neighborhood yeah. in, in Broward County. And, um, Where's Florida. that? Oh, Florida. And, yeah, oh, okay. South Florida. So you got Fort Lauderdale area and yeah. the county is Broward County. I see. So primarily I moved to several different places, man. I probably moved about six times around Broward County. And, and honestly, I'm like, oh man, this is going to be a better situation. And it wasn't <laughs> like, I, I probably got my house broken into at least six times, you know? And, and honestly there, I remember one at one incident. And I mean, honestly, I'm not trying to be like a sob story here, but for the most part, it was a rough upbringing, you know? Yeah. And it made me understand how to, how I had to actually defend myself. Yeah. So with my family members, a lot of them did take Kempo Karate. We had a family friend that was the, the basically the teacher there and he, he was our sensei. So we ended up doing that all together just for- Like your fr- mom and your dad and- My cousins primarily. Oh, okay. My mom was pretty tough. My mom was probably the toughest individual I knew at that time. You know, she was actually a firefighter 
Um, she wow. grew up, yeah, she grew up in um, in Flushing, Queens, and she had it even worse than me growing up. So it was a little bit tough, you know, as far as that goes. And she kind of taught me how to take care of myself and and read people well and have that street smarts. Because at the end of the day, if I didn't know that, then I would get taken advantage of pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And then so you got into boxing, kenpo karate, and then you were playing football, mm-hmm. and you played uh, football in college on the full ride. Yep. yep. And uh, how did that transition into? like more MMA after that. So it's funny because in college I was actually boxing amateur and I would like make an alias name, Yeah, you know? So I think it was like, like I said, I think it was like Sam West or something yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. you know? And so, you know, I was just doing Did that. Did you tell any of your teammates, like, yo, come, come watch my fights? Yeah, no, they knew, they knew, oh, they, they knew? were cool. Yeah, they were like, damn, that's cool, you but know? But your coaches can't find out, huh? Nah, well, one of my coaches did. But the NCAA, obviously, if they found out, then I would be done, you know? So yeah. I was able to do some stuff and, and had like five fights, which was cool, you know? And it gave me the experience as competing in combat sports. Yeah. And I did some like sparring and stuff in Kembo Karate back in the day, but it's definitely different, obviously, you know? Yeah. Um, so once that was done, I left, I left Alabama and then we moved up. My family actually moved my sister, who was like 10 years younger than me. And I basically raised her at, at some points of my time because again- While my, playing football and boxing? Well, not when I was in college, I wasn't able to, but when uh, I went like, you know, again, at like 10 years old, I'm, I'm raising her, you know, picking her up from school, doing things like homework and stuff like that, just like a big brother would, Yeah, you know? And um, so I was happy that they got out of the neighborhood that I was in and they moved up to Port St. Lucie, Florida, which is about 90 minutes from Broward, which is like Fort Lauderdale area. And it's way nicer. A lot nicer, um, small town, you know, very small. Um, there was really nothing there for me to do. So I needed to compete and I knew I needed to compete and I knew I needed to still fulfill that void of, of being a professional athlete. You yeah. know? And so I found a gym, I was looking for a boxing gym and I went to Buddy McGurk's gym in Vero Beach, which is about, I wanna say about an hour from Port St. Lucie. Which, uh, what weight class did you box at? 176, 175 and then 178. So it was did right you have, Did you have a huge like weight difference between the boxing and your football? Yeah, yeah, it was tough, it was, it was tough. You were, were you trying to be like over 200 for football and then they were yeah. trying to be like- Yeah, it was about 195 as a strong safety yeah. and then I would cut for, for the fights. Damn. Yeah, it was pretty tough, but it, I, I learned how to actually cut weight more efficiently and that helped me as a coach going further. Yeah. You know, so I've been cutting weight since I was about 16, 17 years old. Yeah. And then, especially in college, I've been cutting weight 18, 19, 20. And then when I started term, you know, with MMA, I had to cut even more weight. So, but yeah, when I got to Port St. Lucie, I'm like, ah, oh, man, okay. So I went to try out that gym, but I was like, man, it's too far. I want to train like at least twice a day because that's just the person I am. Yeah, this is <laughs> after just, college? This is after, yeah. And so I'm like, all right, let me find another gym that's that's in Port St. Lucie. There's got to be something, right? Yeah. And so I looked up online and I seen there was American Top Team. And American Top Team, I've known since, you know, being in Broward, Yeah. right? Coconut Creek, like that's that's the main MMA gym. I, everybody knows where, Co- you know, American Top Team yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I looked it up and I seen that Dean Thomas had a school there. Yeah, super OG dude. Yeah, yeah, man. And so I, I ran up on him, <laughs> basically. I, I seen him opening up the gym and I was like, I rushed up to him and I said, man, I just wanna I just wanna start training and competing. I wanna fight. And he's like, yeah, okay, whatever, bro. Yeah, like, <laughs> like most, yeah, yeah. most of the kids, you know? Yeah, people like, wear not, like an affliction or tap out yeah, shirt. Yeah. I wanna fight, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh man. He really looked know. at it like this, this <laughs> young, like hood athlete kid, like, yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. And so he's like, yeah, just come do a class. And 
when I did the class, I had a good base of, of striking skill. Like I knew how to move. Because of the karate and the boxing. Yeah, and I'm very like, I'm a good visual learner. Yeah. So I used to watch a lot of old films, man. Like, you know, obviously like Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson, things like that. So I used to move just like them. Like yeah. it was easy for me to watch a watch a fight and imitate or emulate the what the movement patterns were. What they were, were doing. Oh, I see. And I think that's a testament to like athleticism too. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. You can actually see something and then do it. And so apply it immediately. Apply it immediately. So yeah, I went and um, I tried out the class, did it. I liked it, you know, and then I went to a sparring session and ended up getting into a full on fight with one of my teammates, the first sparring session. It just escalated to that point? Yeah, because like I'm still in a street mindset, you oh, know what so I mean? So you something to prove. Yeah, and the guy was like, calm down, buddy, you know, yeah. and he ended up being one of my best friends actually. And that's just the way it goes yeah. in, in this sport, you know, you, yeah. you banging out with each other, but then again, you, like look best at, buds yeah, after. you look after each other like brothers, you know, Yeah. and everybody's a family in there. And yeah, his name was Rock Georges and the guy like super, super talented, you know, he was just coming up with me and we were probably, we were the most talented that, that Dean had and we were the first pros that Dean had. Oh, cool. So it was cool to be a part of that. Was this know? like right after his fight career where he was like- He was still fighting. Oh, he was still fighting He was still time. fighting, yeah. He just got done with the Ultimate Fighter. Oh, So dang. yeah, this was around 2010, 2011. Oh, yeah. damn. So after that, I was- You started fighting and he was your coach, like your main coach? Yeah, yeah, he was my main coach. So I started doing that. I was an amateur for about six months. I did I did really well as an amateur. I fought at 170 and I cut the weight. I remember the first day he told me, he's like, you're going to have to cut to 155. And I was like, get the hell out of here. Like, I'm not, <laughs> oh, I'm not making that. That's a I, haven't lot of weight. I haven't been 155 pounds since like middle school, man. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know if that's going to work, man. And yeah. then I remember going down to Coconut Creek and sparring. Yeah. And I seen Tiago Alves Pitbull. Oh. So... He was, yeah. when I was, I think, either high school or early college, he was uh, striking goals mm -hmm. and also body goals. Yeah. Because he just looked Definitely. like a bodybuilder Definitely. that knew how to strike. I'm like, what yeah. the Shout fuck? out to Pitbull. Yeah. Man. I'm yeah. still, he's still there too today. Yeah. You know, he's still a coach now. He still looks jacked And he's on. still fighting too. He's got a fight coming up. Yeah. You know, but, um, but yeah, he, um, I, I remember walking in the gym and he was like 210 pounds joked. And I'm like you know, traps up to his ears, yeah. you know, and I'm like, oh, that's what you mean. Yeah. Cause he fights at 170. Yeah, yeah, so I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm not that big. So I guess I do need to go to 155. Damn, you how know? does he cut 40 pounds like that? That's Well, insane. now he's not that big no more. Oh, okay. Yeah, he, he definitely dropped a lot of weight. It was hard cuts back in the day. Yeah. He worked with Mike Dolce. Um, okay. It was very hard cuts. I remember that. And, um, you know, now he's a little bit, obviously he's older now, so he can't really cut that amount of weight like that. And he fights at 170 still now. Yeah, it seems like most people are trying to get closer and closer to their fight weight now. Like people are doing like less yeah, cuts, huh? Yeah, it, it's it's more optimal in yeah. my opinion. You know, look at Dustin, you know, going up to 55, he's a lot better. You know, he doesn't have to worry about the weight cut. Wherein when he was at 45, every day was like a struggle, you know? Yeah. And all he was thinking about was diet, nutrition and then the weight cut man it was just Damn. like he couldn't even train properly yeah. he wasn't enjoying the training process and you know the same thing goes with Joanna. Joanna's a 125er she walks around at like 140 you yeah know? And she's a big girl yeah you know, she's five seven 
Um, it's pretty tall. Thick thighs, you know, she's yeah. not she's not little by any means. She cuts very, she cuts to 115 and that's why she looks a little bit skinnier when she cuts down there. But when she walks around, her regular walk around weight, she's a big girl, not yeah. big in the sense of fat, but she's like thick. Yeah, there's know? muscle in there. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. So I think that that's a, a, a bigger benefit to at least go up in a weight class. If I look at Donald Cerrone doing well at 170, yeah. you know, there's a bunch of different things there. But yeah, I mean, so I cut to 155 and then uh how'd you do at your first fight my first fight was a tough one i fought kurt hollibaugh who's in the ufc now and it's funny he just fought one of my guys my guys that i just trained yeah uh, tiago moises and tiago beat him so i was like yes <laughs> so he because 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 kurt got me in the first my first fight uh through knockout submission nah he submitted me Point. um i did pretty well in the first round like basically it, it was my first pro fight and we were the main event in um did you have any amateurs leading up to the pro fight yeah, yeah, yeah. I had I had about five amateur fights. I, I oh, won okay. them all, so yeah. I was I was undefeated as an amateur. Oh, okay. So you're like, okay, I'm ready for the pros. Yeah, and I, I was, and, and I shouldn't have been. You know, there was a lot more holes that I needed to plug up. Yeah, but I was just in a rush. I think that that was one thing that I would definitely go back and take back from from what I learned. Is you're that, trying to fill that football void, huh? Yeah, yeah. It was just me trying to just hurry up and get there. You know. Yeah. And I needed the money. That was one thing too. Oh yeah. You know, and yeah, I was, you don't get paid for amateurs. Nothing, man. And I was, I was, I was doing like part time. I was sneaking people in like Gold's Gym, and, and doing like you know personal training, oh. twenty dollars sessions and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because I had my degree, so I was trying to just make it work, you know. And what you get a degree in? Exercise science and sports medicine. Oh okay. And so I had that, and I was like, all right, cool. You know, and I got some certification. I just started, I got an A certification. I started training, but it wasn't enough, you know? And plus I wanted to be a pro fighter. Like I wanted to be, I want, I want to go to the UFC. I want to go to Bellator or whatever. Yeah. And so the first fight, yeah, man, it just, I shouldn't have took the fight. You know, he was a 12 and 0 amateur, two time champion. Oh, damn, that's a know? lot of experience. Yeah. yeah. He's a good, I mean, well, pretty well rounded, more good on the jiu-jitsu side. He was a brown belt in jiu-jitsu at the time. I didn't have any real experience on the ground at that point. You know, I was like barely making classes for jiu-jitsu. I just didn't like it at the at that time. You know, yeah. I just wanted to stand and bang and that yeah, was yeah, it, yeah. you know. So I didn't really accept it and I didn't embrace it, you know, and that was that was my downfall. That was all my losses were submissions and, you know, one, one decision. You know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the first fight I, I did well. I was, you know, it's online somewhere. Uh, but yeah, and, um, you know, I just... Uh, it's a fast fight. I hit him with an overhand and dropped down. Got got a you know got some got the underhooks and then I suplexed him into the to the middle of the cage. And then I remember like in amateurs you can't elbow right. All right. So like when I postured up the punch, he started elbowing me in the head, like yeah. in the in the top of the head, and I'm like, yeah. what the hell, like this sucks like yeah yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, okay so I, I did you think he was breaking the rules like did no that, like, no i just I, I i i fastly remember like this is what you can do now <laughs> i was like yeah, yeah, okay yeah. so i postured up and when i posture up you never leave your hands on the mat so when i postured up to punch him again he trapped it he trapped the arm swung it over and he had my glove and just basically belly down and and both my like you could hear pops all the way through so i screamed i didn't tap i just screamed like from an arm bar yeah yeah oh. so i was like you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and um they were like oh that's it and they stopped it was it broken no it was fine i mean it was it was definitely sprained they yeah. sprained he sprained it but yeah i, I mean it was just the fact of like him rolling over so quickly and bellying down so fast. Yeah. And I was like, damn, man, I'll be going to break my arm, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just me just screaming almost out of frustration that I got caught in it. 
Yeah. You know, because like, I should have trained this shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and even and coincidentally, Dustin was in the crowd that night too as well. Dustin Poirier. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. Where was he at that time? He was Was in, he a pro already? Yeah, he was in the WEC at the time. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was his hometown. Over yeah. There. Yeah, so it was cool. How did and, you have finally, because I know you made it to Bellator. Like, mm-hmm. what, what's the pipeline like that? Do you have to, like, win a string of fights? And the people- yeah, this was when Bellator wasn't really that big, though. Oh, you I know? see. So this is, like, right after Strike Force. So I was okay. on the undercard for that. I fought in the XFC. Strike Force got pretty big for a while. It did. It did, man. Um, King Mola Wall is one yeah. of my guys that I first started training. Yeah. And I honestly, I used to watch that guy just go out and manhandle people. And he's, like, a phenomenal athlete. Was an Olympic caliber athlete, wrestler. You know, and um, watching him actually showed me how to actually carry myself as a as a professional to a degree of like how he treated people. People yeah. don't know this, but like King Mola Wall is a very outstanding person. You know, he may he may have you know he wears a crown, he has a big chain and stuff like that, but this dude will like take the shirt off his back for you. You know, he's and just playing his persona, probably. Yeah, yeah. Now he's a coach, so it's actually oh, okay. good. You know, and he helps. He wears his crown while he's coaching. <laughs> <laughs> he should, man. He should with the with the chain and just walk around and wear the wear the old Bellator <laughs> yeah. gloves, man. Yeah. But yeah, he's a he's a he's a trip, man. He's a he's one of the jokesters in the gym too, as well. I remember. Yeah. I think it was uh, my second week. Nah, I would say my third week. He kept calling me. You remember the uh, the rapper um, Stitches? Remember him? A little bit, yeah, 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 yeah. So, and it's coincidentally, this this guy's name is Phil. Like his first name is Phil. So he called me Stitches because he said I sounded like him, right? Yeah. And so he called me Stitches <laughs> for the first like month and a half. And then everybody in the gym started calling me Stitches. I said, I pulled him to the side. I said, you can't do that, man. I'm a coach. Like you can't. And he's oh, like, yeah. He's like, oh, my bad coach. So then, but that was, that was one of the things. And he made everybody call me that. He made, he has nicknames for everybody in the gym. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it was cool that, you know, it was, he took it like that. And he was like, he really respected it. That's dope. And I was young. I was a young kid. I was only like 26. Yeah. And you didn't started. want people to undermine your authority as a coach. Yeah. And I was already trying to prove myself. You yeah. Know? So, I mean, at that point, I mean, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but. I think that that was one of the main things of there, like with Mo, he helped people understand where I was coming from and he helped me with buy-in with all the other fighters. You know, if it wasn't for him, then I probably wouldn't be working at American Top Team, you know? Yeah, damn. What up guys, the first sponsor is Noom and you guys have heard me talk about this before where um, a lot of people, they look at weight loss or any type of fitness goal and they see it in segmented parts. They think it's just a diet or it's just a workout or it's whatever. It's actually an entire lifestyle change and it's the way that your mind is even considering the whole thing, which is why I love Noom because they have a psychological approach to achieving your fitness goals. It's not just about, oh, is this the new diet I should try? Everyone's doing it. No, it's actually an entire thing They use a cognitive behavioral approach and it's based in psychology. So it's an entire app that has diets, your workout tracking, suggestions on what you should do, things to watch out for. You can plug in, hey, when it gets towards the night, I always have this urge. Well, maybe you should eat a little bit earlier and eat a little bit more fiber. Like there's things that you can do to prevent yourself from making the same mistakes over and over. And that's why it's more of a lifestyle approach and it's an app that can help you achieve 
whatever goals that you want to get in shape. So go to noom.com slash bail and get your trial today. That's noom.com slash bail, B-E-A-W, noom.com slash bail and get your trial today and get started on your fitness goals because there's no reason to wait. So how many uh, how many fights did you get in Bellator? I had one, just, just one, one. One and done, man. And then the right after that was the XFC was a one and done. You know, it's, it's, it was a Were tough. those contracts like... They're just single fight contracts. They're not yeah. like, I'll, I'll sign three fights or whatever. Yeah, back in the day, it was like a, the wild, wild west back then. You know, if you weren't in the UFC, then you didn't really have any real, like, structure, you know? Oh, I see. So, yeah, but the 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 XFC was cool because I fought in Tampa, which was close. And um, it was a good fight, hard fight. I fought, it was like around... 20,000 people. So it was, it was a good amount of people. Yeah, that's a good you know? venue. Yeah. And um, hard fight, man. It was probably one of the toughest fights I've ever had. Did you guys go to distance? Yeah, the whole time, man. It was on, it's on, it's on uh, YouTube. You can check it out. Um, I think it was XFC 19. Yeah. With, uh, I fought Socrates Pierre. And tough guy, big, big dude. He what did you fight at? Still at 155? It was 55, but it ended up being a catch weight. And because he couldn't make weight, and he didn't even make the catch weight. So what was the catch, like 165 or what? The, the catch weight was 157. Oh, okay. and he ended up coming in at 160. Damn. And my teammate fought him before. Yeah. And said, he told me, he's like, he'll never make weight. He's like, you're just be ready, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, all right, man. So he came and he was super big, you know, big kid, probably about six, six foot, six one, but big, like stocky, you know? Yeah. And, um, we ended up going at it, man. And I remember just like being so angry with this kid that I was like trying to put him away the first round. Yeah. And that's not a good idea. Yeah. You know, so there was a lot of things from an efficiency standpoint that you I should gas out. Yeah. 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 I didn't know where I was after the second round. I didn't know where I was. Oh, damn. You know, and we went at it. We both were banging each other back and forth. You know, it was like he hit me. I hit him. I took him down. I, you know, I grounded upon him. You know, it was like I went for a submission, didn't get it. He need me in the nose. I'm leaking. You know, it's like Ooh. his eye was busted up. You know, um, there was a one part in the fight in the third round where he almost put me away. And like he hit me in the side of the temple and I started to like fade back. Yeah. And then all I remember was like, I'm not going to get embarrassed on TV. I said, fuck that. Yeah. And step back overhand, boom. And he fell back into the cage. And then on a couple, like on a, if you, you could see it on a couple of my videos, but like, um, like highlight videos, I stepped back and I hit him with like this. Remember what we were doing today in the gym yeah. where I did the hop step. And then I hooked to oh, the body. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I hooked to the head. Yeah. And I just started wailing on him. And man, he had a chin, man. He came back. He, he stumbled. He came back through like like a half-ass like overhand and hit me in the chin. And I backed up and we went back at it. It was just back and forth. There's two wobbly dudes just banging it That's out. That's it, man. Oh, it was shit. super crazy. That's crazy. The hardest fight that I've ever been Ooh. in. But it, 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 it actually it proved to me that I could hang in there no matter what, you know? Especially a guy that didn't make weight. Yeah. Because if they don't make weight the day of the fight, that's additional, like, maybe five pounds in the ring or something. Yeah, yeah. And it was, uh, he was definitely bigger, man. He was probably, like, 190 in the the cage, for sure. I was probably about, I was probably about one, maybe 178, 180. Yeah. You know, he was definitely in the 190s, you know? But... I, I didn't care at that point. You yeah. know, I was like, man, we're going to fight. I'm here, whatever. Yeah. And usually 
you don't do that as a as a smart individual you want to you know make sure that you're protecting yourself yeah and at that point i'm 20 maybe 20 years old at this time so i'm not really caring about that i just want to fight yeah you know? and i need this i need to get the money yeah you know and for that that's what ended up happening you know i ended up losing a decision you know and at this time i was actually opening up my own facility so what kind of facility i was opening up a strength and conditioning facility because I just didn't want to like be a personal trainer at somebody else's gym. I, see. I just wanted to be my own, my own boss, you know? So I think that that had a lot to do with it. You know? How did you, uh, so was that your last fight? No, no, no. I had, I had, actually had, <laughs> oh, I had three more after that. <laughs> three more? Yeah. Three While more. trying to run a new gym? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A new gym. Um, it was going really well, to be honest with you, you know? Yeah. And I ended up what, the, what made you want to keep fighting even though you had your own gym and a new business to run? I still need to compete, man. Oh, I'm just, yeah. I'm just a competitor. Yeah, you know? yeah. I still I still compete in powerlifting. I do jujitsu competitions. You know? Yeah, but I still need to compete. And it, and the great thing about coaching these individuals now is that I can kind of live vicariously through, through them. You yeah, know? and I know it kind of maybe sound bad, but honestly, I feel more accomplished when they win a fight than I did. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. It's just because of the fact that how much hard work I actually put into that. Yeah, and for them just to see the ramifications of like how they overcome obstacles and get to where they're in. man. The, the proudest moment was watching Dustin Poirier win his title. You know that that title with Max Holloway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, wow. Yeah, this is awesome. Because I, mean, like I never a, coached any athletes at that level. Mm -hmm. I coached a couple like uh, powerlifters and stuff. Yeah, and I, I know what you mean. Like, because I, I know like I'm. I know where my genetic limits at. Mm -hmm. And then so um, as I get close and I'm trying to like train maybe another year or two to get an extra five pounds on the squat or 10 yeah. pounds on the deadlift, like I know the reward that comes from that. Yeah. But when I have a buddy who I just bring into the gym, maybe deadlifts 135 and I help yeah. them get to 300 within a year yeah. and how their minds explode when they pull it's 315 crazy. for the first time, yeah. I'm like, man, that makes me feel so good because it almost... Awesome. It almost makes them feel like, holy shit, I got superpowers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, I know, I know how that feels. And it's, it's so, it's you can see it because it's quantifiable. Like you can, you know exactly that you helped that out. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, like yeah, the numbers yeah, yeah, don't yeah. lie. You yeah, know, it's yeah. which is great. I think track and and weightlifting in general are just instant, you know, verifications. Yeah, you know. So I, I also train a guy that's getting ready for another meet, a USPA meet. Oh, cool. And uh, and yeah, we're running a conjugate block, and that's primarily what I use, but. You know, he's definitely seeing increases. The greatest thing also is that like he see he feels no pain. You know, he used to have pain in his knees, tendonitis, squat tendonitis. He feels no pain. He's getting stronger. So that's always a good thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, like with the fighters, man, and watching them and, and walking out with them in, in the tunnel and just seeing all that is just it fills that void. You know what I mean? Of yeah. Me being a competitor now, I know I'm a coach and that's the role I play. And I take a backseat to any other of my you know, competitions for that. Yeah. You know? So how did you do in the other three fights that you had after you, uh, yeah. you opened so, your, your facility? Yeah. So the first one after that, um, I wasn't able to train at all. Like really wasn't able to train. Cause just running the gym. Yeah. I, I maybe train maybe twice a week. Yeah. Like literally sweep the floors. There's just so yeah. much shit to run in a gym. Really. And I was by myself, literally by myself. Damn. And it grew so fast that just, so if anybody's out there that, that is like trying to do both at that time, like you're trying to be a, a world-class athlete, you're not going to be able to do much other than just be a world-class athlete. Yeah. You know, don't or, try to or do Or be a, just a gym owner. Or be just a gym owner. When we exactly. first opened our first gym, it was me and my wife. 
and we used to work at the front desk because you're trying to keep all the expenses as low as possible. Mm -hmm. And we close at 12, yeah. um, but we're cleaning and then refilling water and doing all this stuff because we didn't have a water line that we could tap. So we had to go buy five gallons of like the yeah. five gallon jugs of water. Yeah. So I wouldn't get home until 2 a.m., mm -hmm. but our gym opens at five. Yeah. So I wake up at four yep. and it was like that for like the first month. Mm -hmm. And like I was only sleeping two hours. And it's when people tell me, oh man, I, I uh, I always wanted to open up my own gym. And yeah, I'm like, no. good luck, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll always say that. And I'm like, listen, man, it's not always cracked up to yeah. me sometimes, you know? And, and yeah, man, I just really didn't have time to train. I lost by a stupid mistake, you know? Um, I hit the guy with an overhand. After he threw a kick, I blocked the kick, or I caught the kick, hit him with an overhand. He fell back. I seen his eyes roll in the back of his head. I went for, I went for basically the finish. And as I'm going and grounded pound, I remember hitting him again, and, his, and he kind of like, came back, you know, his eyes came back. And then I sat in his guard, which was the worst thing I could do. Oh. I sat in his guard and I went to posture up a punch again. He threw up the triangle and got me. Oh, damn. Yeah, yeah. So it was always those stupid mistakes because of not training enough. Yeah. You know, not being put in those positions enough. That sucks when you're like, you, your kill instinct comes on because you see it and yeah. I can finish this guy right now and you get caught in something. And our second sponsor is Skillshare. So in this day and age, there's really no excuse to not learn what you want. There's so many different classes that you can learn about websites, production, even schedule management. And this is exactly what Skillshare is. It is an online learning community with thousands of amazing classes that cover dozens of creative and entrepreneurial skills. And I know in this day and age, everyone is their own brand now, right? You have your own social media. How do you want to grow your brand? How do you leverage that to get into med school? How do you leverage that to do anything else? And there's ways, there's classes that you can take to grow your brand. There's classes you can take on photography, on even creative writing. There are so many different classes here. So there's no excuse why you can't grow anything that you want or even do anything that you want, especially the classes that they left out in school, which I wished I had Skillshare when I was in school because it was so traditional and it was just, you got prereqs, you got the these certain core classes and then you can't really take anything else. But now there are classes of even on email digi uh, digital marketing. So this is super cool. Um, I really, really support this. Make sure you go to Skillshare.com slash bell and get two months of Skillshare for free. So even if you want to be Asian about it and you're like, oh, I just want to learn something about the photography. Dude, take it two months, learn something and then cancel it. But don't tell them I, I told you because there's probably a lot of other uh, classes you could be taking. But Skillshare.com slash bell, B-E-A-W. That's Skillshare.com slash bell, B-E-A-W. And learn some shit today. Yeah, yeah. My last fight that I had, though, I did win, which was awesome. And it was a good win because I stuck to the game plan and I truly trained. I, I put everything else aside. I had the ability to delegate my time with the with the gym. You know, I had other coaches that took care of that. And yeah. I was able to truly train enough to where I had a solid game plan and I was put in those positions. The guy I fought was 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, yeah. So I'm 5'8". So just so you guys know. Yeah, right? yeah. So a lot taller than me. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's a kickboxer. I'm primarily known as a stand-up striker. So they thought that we were going to stand and bang and it was going to be a knockout and this and that. But in MMA, it's MMA, right? So I can change things up a bit. Yeah. So I worked on religiously over and over and over again, getting on the inside, getting him on, getting his back against the cage and taking him down, taking him down and then ground and pounding the hell out of him. And that's exactly what I did. So the first time we squared up, got in the middle of the cage, 
his his reach was probably about I have a 69 inch reach. He had a I think he had around a 79 inch reach. Damn. Yeah, somewhere around a 78, 79. So obviously, like, okay, I got to get in inside and yeah. things like that. Uh, I remember, like, I'm like, okay, let's just feel it out in the first round. And I remember him hitting me with a jab that I think I was like, I thought I was like 10 feet away from him. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. So this is gonna be tricky. <laughs> yeah. So I so I slipped inside, hit him with the uh, hit him with a with him with a hook to the body, and then just drove him back to the cage. And I'm and like being strong helps. You yeah. know, and that was yeah. one thing is like use my strength to my advantage, use technique and and leverage. And so I got him against the cage and we drilled these like these flow patterns of like getting into a double, back to a single, running the pipe, going back down to the single, going back to the double, body lock. And then we just run through these through these uh, flows, right? And whatever didn't work, just went to the next one, and the next one, and finally just it just went down. Got him the first. I think the first takedown was just like a. I just basically got a high single, a high yeah. cross single, yeah. and just lift him up and dumped him on his head. And then right from there, he, he like I basically took the soul out of him. You know, I sat him up against the cage and just started banging him out for the entire fight. I didn't even really go for the finish. And that was the reason why I didn't go for the finish because all the other fights, you went, I went for the finish yeah, 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 and, yeah. and got caught. Yeah. So I was like, no, I'm going to be patient. And I was older too. I was 25 years old, a little bit older now. Yeah. I understood game planning. I understood how to you know, take my time. So it was really good. I had like all the people from my gym there and like my wife was there. My best friend was there. It was cool. It was real cool. So after that though. Did you know that that, so you, you ended your fight career on a good note. Didn't know though. Did, but did, yeah, you didn't know that didn't that was the last it. one? Nah, I was actually, I was in fight camp when when this happened. So for you, for those Ooh. of you who don't know, if you guys don't follow me or anything like that, um, I had eight concussions my entire life. Oh my God, right? So yeah. probably more than that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but eight that you know of. Yeah, primarily, you know, a lot of them came from football. I played football since I was like, what, six, seven years old. So my first, my first real concussion was eight years old. I remember it to this day. Damn. It was in practice. Yeah. Like first day of like tackling and we were doing, I think we we're doing like, uh, like the uh, Oklahoma drill. And man, I just led with my head and, and boom, just seen stars, man. And it was the first time I didn't know where I was. I was like, oh, this isn't good. Oh. So yeah. And then through that all the way up into college, man, just every, at least every other practice, I got some sort of slight concussion. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or something small there. You yeah. Know? Um, big concussions where I didn't know where I was for a couple hours, that probably happened at least four to four to five times for sure. Oh you know? my God. So now I go into a sport like MMA and I'm getting jabbed in the face or kicked in the face or something like that. And yeah. and, and when I say that, I don't like to tell people like I got eight concussions from MMA because I really didn't. You know what I mean? I barely got maybe one or two in MMA. Yeah. My defense was really good. I wasn't really, I was actually a really good striker depending, you know, not from my, from my, you know, my, uh, my record shows, but primarily I was really good, you know, yeah. with that. There's just so many other factors. I think so a lot of people, factors, they look yeah. at just a professional record, yeah, it's but factors. there's dudes that are in the gym and they just clean house in the gym. But yeah. for some reason, they're just like family or whatever. Can't put it together. Yeah. They can't put it together. It yeah. sucks. And that was me, man. I couldn't put it together. I think that that was primarily because I had so much going on and I just had too much distraction. Yeah. You know, so with that, you know, I, um, I, I was in camp and uh, I was two weeks out from my fight and we were drilling me and my sparring partner and we were just drilling nice and light. You know, he threw up a, like a spinning back kick and I'm like, Oh, come on, man. So I, I slipped it, but like half hazardly slipping it. Yeah. 
and he threw it back real hard. So he came up slow and he threw it back hard and it clipped the back of my head and got me concussed. Ooh. So then I'm like, damn, man, this, this dude just concussed me. And I'm like, I got to fight in two weeks. You know, yeah. he was like, obviously he was like apologetic, but this one was different. Like usually I get a concussion or I get rocked and like you come to and you know where you're at, like in a couple hours, I was still dizzy the entire, like this happened at like 10 AM and I was still dizzy until the next morning. Is that scary? Like when you go on the mm. rest, like are you eating lunch and dinner still? Do you well, go I was home? throwing up. I was throwing up for at least three hours. After oh that. my God. Yeah, off and on throwing up, you know, and because I was super dizzy, you know. And are I, you used to it? Or are you like, okay, I'm just having a concussion right now? And like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. You kind of know. That is so know? crazy. The light was bothering me. I just knew I had all the signs, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm like, okay, the next day, I was like, I got to go get this checked out. So. I went to a neurologist and he put electrodes on my brain and did all this, you know, EKG and or whatever, you know, EMG. And um, and so they were like, you know, we seen some beta amyloid plaques sitting inside your neurons, which can basically die off those new neurons. So you're in if you keep this going, you could develop like Alzheimer's or something along the lines like that traumatic, traumatic brain injury. And now we know it's like can be CTE at the yeah, end of the day. Yeah. So I was like, OK, well that's not good, <laughs> you yeah. know? And uh, I had a talk with Dean and he was like, you know, he's like, man, if it was like your knee or your, you know, you had something wrong with your wrist or hand, we can fix that. Yeah. It's your brain. Can't really fix that. So I was like, uh, and then this time. Do you have kids at this point too? Yeah. So I'm with my wife. Um, the gym is going really well. And I just had my son. So my son was born. I was two weeks out from my fight. Gym was going really well. I had things delegated to where it was running very you know, pretty good without yeah. me. Yeah. And uh, it looked like it was going to be all right. And then that happened. And so I was like, man, I got to come up with a, with a decision here. And so I was like, all right, man. So it took me, honestly, it took me like at least two weeks to really be like, it's over. Cause man, look, I've been doing this now two, three days a week, you know, or not two, two, three times a day. A day yeah. yeah. For like six or seven days a week. Yeah. And that's all I knew. Yeah. You know, that's all, that's all I, you know, put myself, put my energy in, you know? Yeah. So, um, it was hard, man. And, uh, I knew that there was going to be the end of my professional career, you know? And even though it wasn't like a great professional career, it was my career. Yeah. You know, I'll put my time and effort into yeah. it. Yeah. And your health. And my health. Yeah. That's one thing that I'm kind of scared of. So I've been training Muay Thai for about a year and a half now. Mm -hmm. And I told myself when I first started, I was like, I think I want to do maybe a couple amateurs. Mm -hmm. And then like, I'm never going to be professional, but I yeah. just want to do it as like a bucket list thing. Yeah. But then the more I train and the more that I think about all the stuff that I have going on, I got a bunch of businesses. I got a kid. I want to have a second kid. Yeah. I have a wife. I'm like, do I need to put myself in a position where mm -hmm. I could possibly get concussed or CTE or anything like that? So I'm always yeah. like, I'm always juggling that. But I also... There's this, like, I'm a competitor too, you know? So, yeah. like, there's a side of me that's, like, I want to put it, put it all together, everything that I've been training. Mm -hmm. And then once I start doing my road work and I get my, my I'm at the peak of my athletic ability, I want to see what I can do. But also, I'm like, but people depend on me. Mm -hmm. I got kids. I'm like, fuck, I don't know what to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard. What would, what would you recommend? Well... I don't see it as long as it's going to be an amateur fight with headgear. With headgear, that, would, yeah. that which is kind of cool. And I think that if it was controlled, yeah, you know, I think and just it, no elbows. Yeah, like you don't want any elbows, primarily any knees either. Yeah, you know, and if it was controlled, you you could do it. You know, and you wouldn't get anywhere near as worse hurt as if you were doing a powerlifting meet. 
You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Just because it will be controlled. And as yeah. long as you know how to protect yourself, you, you'll be fine. I know it's coming from the guy with eight concussions, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, but no, yeah. like to be honest though, like it's, it's very, like I said, I didn't get a whole lot of concussions from MMA. It was yeah. more for, from football, Yeah. you know? So you have a controlled state and you know how to protect yourself. And as long as, you know, your coach takes, takes care of you, picks the right matchup, you'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. But again, Sometimes you, you have those, like, you know, the spazzy white belts that come out, like yep. they, they just start swinging for the fences. For sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I hope I don't, I hope I fight someone that's in the same mindset as me, where yeah. I want to have a good fight, test my skills. Yeah. And I don't mind people that are banging hard. Mm-hmm. I just don't want someone that's coming out and just closing their eyes, ducking their head down and just swinging for no reason. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I would say if your heart is not completely 100% into it, it's not, it's not worth it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you got so, so many things going on. Yeah. You know, and at the end of the day, it's not the most important thing. You know? That's the most, true. The most important thing is your family. Yeah. Is your business. You know, how you eat. You know, so I mean, you have a very successful life. Yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying? What sucks is though, when you're a competitor, uh-huh. while you're eating with your family, there's this burning thing of regret in your mind. I get it. Like I, I look it. at my kid and I'm like, oh, I love you. I love my wife. I have, a lo- I have an awesome life, but there's yeah. this burning regret thing. And it's like, yeah. No amount of money can put that thing away until you go do it, you know? Then at that point, if it's something that is burning in the back of your brain like that yeah. and you really need to do it, then you have to do it just to keep your sanity. Yeah, away, you yeah know that's I mean? true, yeah. And and it's something that you can look forward to. It's yeah. something different. And that can actually transcend and, and help you in your business, you know, and help yeah. you out as far as that goes. But yeah, you would have to take a look and actually... Talk to your family, talk to yeah. your coach, and then go from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think you need a long. I think I don't think you need a long camp because that's even it's worse. An amateur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you, you need about six weeks at the most. If you're consistently training, you'll be fine. Yeah. And it, you know you don't you don't go for like it's like a two or three rounder. You know you don't yeah, yeah, go yeah. for like six to eight rounds. You know. Yeah. You just do like, almost like honestly, you can do some controlled sparring or like what we call smoker fights yeah 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 in the gym yeah you know and it'd be super controlled and you know your opponent yeah you know and you're still getting that you're still getting the experience yeah you're still competing yeah but you know that the ramifications aren't as high that where like okay you might seriously hurt yourself yeah yeah you know yeah damn yeah so uh when did you so you had to come to that decision Mm -hmm. two weeks out from the fight and you're like Mm -hmm. okay i'm gonna i gotta give up my fight career yeah, yeah, that was it, man. And it was kind of a, a, a lot of weight lifted off my shoulders in a way, you know? Because then I was like, okay, well, now. That's probably when you knew you made the right decision then, too, right? Yeah, I was like, it took me a long time. And I, and I talked to Dean for a while after that. And he was like, man, listen, you're successful. You have a great business. You know, you're a good coach. You know what you're doing there. Let's keep this rolling. And so with that, I went full in on coaching, you know, and I went full in on my business. And it started to thrive and I was happy with it, you know. So fast forward maybe like a year later and I really didn't want anything to do with this sport, with MMA for a while. Why? For, for like six months. I was just sick, man. I was like, man, I can't, I can't do it, you know, and it's hard for me. I wanted to just be like, I'm done, yeah. you know. Even though that weight was lifted off my shoulders, I still loved, like I still wanted to do it, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. Um, so it was hard to watch, Yeah, you know, and I didn't for a while. I ended up doing like, I did a bunch of different stuff. I did strongman. I did powerlifting. I did, I even did bodybuilding show. Oh shit. Yeah. I did a bodybuilding show. That's hard too. Yeah. The dieting part of it. The, that was probably the hardest thing I've done from that perspective. Yeah. You know what I mean? Obviously physical yeah. wasn't, I mean, weight cutting was tough, 
but that was even tougher because you had to like weight cut, but also like you couldn't even eat afterwards. You know what I'm saying? Like you oh, had to get down right. to a certain, like a certain weight, I had to make a weight class yeah. and I had to still stay shredded and, you know, and pose and all this other crazy stuff that they do. You yeah. Know? And the oils and everything. Yeah, bro, it was, it was, I, I would <laughs> never do it again. Trust That's me. awesome that you did it though. I did it. I did it. Honestly, here's the, here's the thing. I just got done fighting. So my weight dropped tremendously. I'm sitting at like 176, 178. I'm like, I'm not, this isn't my true weight. Like I, I graduated high school at 205. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So this isn't my true weight. Like my body doesn't want to be here. So I looked at my body. I'm like, man, what can I do in a competition way that I know that I can go all in on with this to get my body back to where I need to be? So I was like, you know what? I'll do bodybuilding. Like, how hard can it be? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, to my surprise, it was it's one of the hard. hardest yeah. things out there. <laughs> so, yeah, man. I, and I and I had a friend who was really good at it. He was, you know, now he's a pro. And I'm close. I'm close with like Flex Lewis and those guys, oh, too. Cool. So it was funny, like cause Flex is a big MMA fan, you know. Yeah. So I went out there and I remember him like, you're going to bodybuild? And I was like, like, yeah, like <laughs> just just one time. I just want to do it one time. Yeah. It's like a fill a void, you know, like yeah, something yeah. that you want to do. Yeah. yeah. Like, again, it was hard, man. I woke up every day, did my fasted cardio, had all my meals, did the whole bodybuilding kit. And I didn't even, and even though I knew how to, like, properly diet, I gave myself to the coach. Like, yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to think, I was like, I'm just going to be the athlete. Yeah, I'm not yeah, going to yeah. coach. Yeah. So I can coach my other people and I don't have to think about myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that, that I did well. I, I took, I took first in the, in the, in the, uh, in the division and, the, and I lost in the overall. But I mean, I look pretty damn good. That's awesome. <laughs> what, what uh, was your stage weight? 78. So I, I after the cut, yeah. we recarbed up. To, I was probably like 183. Oh, dang. But I went back up. So I, I went from 178 to 210, building muscle, like muscle on muscle. Yeah. A lot of carbs, you know, obviously protein was there. But I was training hypertrophy six days a week. Yeah. Where before I was doing strength and conditioning, I was doing, you know, strength and power work maybe two to three times a week. How did you like that transition in training? Did it feel I, weird? No, because I did it in high school too. Like, oh, you know, okay. when you start working out, like yeah. that's kind of what you do. It's Every, like a bro split. Yeah, 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 you know? yeah, yeah. And even though like I still like to build my body up. So it was True. always something that I like to do. Yeah. And so, um, but yeah, um, I did that and I remember... I remember just thinking to myself, like, man, maybe I could do this as a professional, like, endeavor. Like, I could be a pro. Pro bodybuilder? Yeah. But that's my mindset. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. start it. I'm going to be a pro now. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Stop, stop, yeah, stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then shortly after I was done, I was like, nah, I'll never do that again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because it wasn't my thing. It wasn't my thing. Yeah. Was, I don't think I had a discipline to yeah. be that on the diet. Yeah. Because I know that's like a big part of it yeah. to get that shredded. And I know very high level, like I said, I know Flex and those guys, bro, th that's their life. Yeah. That's their life. For years and years and years, that's what they dedicate themselves to. And it's super, it's a super selfish sport. Yeah. You know, so I had, a, and again, full family, business, I can't be selfish. It's yeah. just not me. True. And it's not my, that, that's not how I roll. You know, yeah. I'm a very selfless person. Yeah. That's why I'm a coach. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. I think that's why I'm a better coach than I was an athlete because I'm, I'm selfless. Yeah. You know, um, and that's why, you know, I, I am a better coach. I, at all my teams and the things I play for and, you know, I was always a captain of the team. I was always a guy. When I was a kid, I was always a guy to, to gather up all the kids to play football and 
play manhunt and all these other things. So I always was, I always were that, were that person to just get everything involved and get everything going, yeah. you know? So it was good. It's a good transition. And it, it showed me that, that yeah. I, this is what my calling was, you know? Yeah. And our last and final sponsor for this podcast is Brewmate. And I personally think this one is really cool. So they originally made this for people that hate warm alcohol, which I think is everyone, right? They don't, when you get your beer, it's cold at the top. By the time you get to the bottom, it's kind of lukewarm. It's kind of yucky. So they have all kinds of products from uh, this thing called a hopsolator, which it contains an entire can of beer and it insulates it. Or even if you want this other one called the wine solator, where you can pour your wine into it and it keeps everything cold for a long time because it's like tri- uh, triple vacuum sealed. Um, it's It started off to keep your alcohol at the exact temperature that you want. For me, you guys know how much I love ice. If you guys watch the vlogs, I have pretty much this much ice and then this little Coke. So I use this with my root beer and my Coke to keep things extra cold to the point where I even freeze my mugs in the freezer. So uh, if you guys like extremely cold drinks, they have an entire array of things. My favorite is called the uh, Hopsolator cup thing. Let me see what it's called. Um, no, no, no. It's called the wine insulator uncorked. So it's a, it's a wine glass that's triple uh, vacuum insulated and you pour your drink in there and it stays extremely cold, which is what I love. I love that crisp taste that ah, I love it. Love it. Love it. Make sure you go to brewmate.com. That's B R U M A T E.com to get 15% off your first order with the code bell B E A W 15% off your first order brewmate.com slash bell b-e-a-w to get your cold ice cold drink for this summer brewmate.com slash bell b-e-a-w and thank you to all our sponsors for keeping us alive when did when did you get back into mma like after the body you're like okay i'm not doing this again i gotta go back to mma (laughs) yeah pretty much man well obviously i was like competing in strongman and powerlifting too at the same time so like i did all these things that's why people when they ask me like well the pedigree of what i've done over the years the great thing about bodybuilding though what it did show me is how to actually contract muscle and isolate muscle so from a coaching standpoint i actually learned how to like we looked at today yeah with all those uh with all those accessory work like the single joint contractions yeah and not compensating with another body part yeah so i learned how to i learned better biomechanics and anatomy through actually training in bodybuilding mm. you know and then obviously the diet portion too as well but yeah. primarily from a strength coach perspective i learned how to actually utilize you know contractibility of each muscle group to enhance strength capacity and overall power production because we're getting a muscle bigger and stronger yeah singularly yeah yeah yeah, you know? yeah. so yeah but you know after after that i was like okay listen i had my gym it was, you know, 11,000 square feet. We grew it from 800 to 1,600 to 11,000. It's a big-ass fucking gym. <laughs> yeah. So we had a full cage in there, ring, you know, um, boot camps you going on. You still have on. that now? No, I sold it. Oh, okay. So I sold that one because I was like, listen, there's no way I'm going to be able to do that gym and be a head coach at American Top Team, head strength coach at American yeah. Top Team. So I'm like, okay. Damn, first. you got so much going on, and you're a bodybuilder, and damn. <laughs> yeah, the bodybuilding was done by then. Like, okay. I, was, I was done by that. Yeah. But you just got a lot of wheels turning in your brain. You know, Man, like you kind of, you, you constantly got to keep yeah. all these balls. And up. at this point in time, I was actually going to get my PhD. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you were so, in graduate school. Yes, I was going. I actually had two credits to go 
because Alabama State didn't transfer a couple of credits. So I was doing credits for an undergrad so I can get into grad school. And my son was born that, that day of I started classes. Oh. So all this started to go on. And, and then the- Where were we gonna get your PhD in? I was thinking I was gonna go for kinesiology or exercise phys. So I was kind of on the cusp and I was going to FAU, which is again, 90 minutes away from my house. So Damn. then we had to drive. So I, I was still getting those undergrad like credits yeah. as I was going in pursuit to get my PhD. Damn. So it was tough, man. But then like, I, I just kind of was like, all right, man, do I really, really need to put all this on my plate at this point in time? Oh yeah. And I just thought back to like, you know, like um, Tim Ferriss's book, Four Hour Work Week, yeah, you yeah. know, and I'm like, I'm trying to do too much right now. Yeah. And when I try to do too much, not to say that I don't do a lot now, Yeah. but when you overload, then you can't specify or you're not going to be efficient in those certain parameters of what you can be efficient in. Yeah. And you just spread yourself too thin and you overstress yourself. And yeah. then those things that you could be great at, you're fairly good, maybe even worse. Yeah. You know what I mean? True. So you're yeah. like average Yeah. Or you could be great. So I wanted to make sure that I was great in everything I did. So I was like, all right, listen, do I really need to go get this PhD right now? Or can I just develop my coaching ability and work on my business and work at American Top Team and, and grow and raise my family? Which is you one know? of the top MMA gyms in the country too. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I had the, the, the fortunate thing about me at American Top Team and, and having the ability to converse and network with high level individuals, you know, um, I converse with PhDs and master degrees all the time. So yeah. like I actually asked them and I'm like, what do you think? You think I should do this? And they're like, no. You know what I mean? Like, why would you do it? The only reason you would do it is for your own personal benefit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because at the end of the day, like because most people they get like a degree to seek like upward mobility. Mm -hmm. But if you're already getting that with hands on yeah. and you're already in a system, it's like you don't need that anymore. Yeah, I think it was more along the lines of like just I wanted to get it done just for personal benefit you know like yeah. i was like i just want to do it you know yeah yeah, yeah. I, none of my family members have ever gotten any degree at all and i wanted to be that person to get that upper level degree yeah. i just wanted to have it dr you know? daru yeah <laughs> <laughs> dr phil yeah <laughs> <laughs> so but at, at the end of the day i was kind of like all right man i need to focus on coaches i need to i need to focus on coaching focus on my business focus on my family and then i can go back whenever i want you know what i mean it's yeah. not like a now thing yeah, you know yeah. so yeah so I ended up selling that, selling that gym and opening up just a small little, like basically uh, like a studio gym, right? I was doing like personal training here like and there. Like privates in there? Privates, yeah, but very affluent neighborhood. So I like, I was training like doctors, lawyers, net dentists and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. So my time was very utilized at that point, you know, yeah. I was really making good money there. And most of my time was being spent at American Top Team. So, I grew that gym to where now I have like four to five trainers in that particular studio gym yeah. that pay the rent there. Yeah. And then now I'm pretty much over at American Top Team. That's sick. And just recently I partnered up with, coincidentally was my first uh, sponsor and he opened up a powerlifting gym in Port St. Lucie. So he was like, do you want to like come, you know, start the business with me? And, yeah, yeah. You know, grow the gym. And I usually... I don't do that anymore. Like I'm not, I don't want to be a part of the gym business. Like I just want to do what I'm doing. I, I already have it. I'm like, you know, so I said, you know what? I'll help you out. We can be partners. I can come in, maybe, you know, run a class here and there, or, you know, you can utilize my programming. 
And that's primarily what they're doing now. So yeah. all my programming that I have online, they utilize that for the boot camps, for the personal training, things like that. Yeah. And then I can go in there, shoot videos and stuff for my YouTube and things like that. Oh, that's cool. And it's just a dope gym. Like yeah. You go in there, man, it's got everything. We're, we're fully outfitted with Elite FTS and Rogue. Oh, sick. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just, it's just, you would love it. Like, yeah. honestly, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a strength gym for sure. Yeah. Hands down. So I like to bring like, I'll bring up my boxers and I'll bring up, you know, some of my athletes up there to, yeah. to really get it going. And because at American Top Team, I'm kind of limited, to be honest, you know, with the equipment there and the space, believe it or not, because it is 40,000 square feet, but there's so much going on. Uh, you know, we have kids classes going on in the afternoon. There's a lot of things going on. So when I'm really training fighters, there's like a thousand and one things going on in that gym. Yeah. So it's very hard for me to, to maneuver things around and, and, and have things situated the way I would really need it. Yeah. Um, but again, we, we get the job done. We make it work. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I can't complain, man. American Top Team is one of the best gyms, if not the best gym for MMA in the world. 40,000 square feet is huge. 40,000 square feet, 150 professional fighters. Ooh. You know, um, I'm training about 85 pros right now Damn. obviously all of them are in the ufc bellator pfl one fc all the big promotions yeah you know we got maybe out of like the 85 i have maybe five of them are regional scene guys and they're very good they're all like eight no nine and oh ten and two so they're just ready to just get to the big they're right there yeah. they're just on the cusp you know of, of breaking into the to the mainstream promotions but you know, it's just, it's always, it's funny because you're, you're around so many elite level, high level fighters yeah. that it becomes second nature to you now. It's like an average day that a killer just walks by you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and you just are accustomed to it. Like it's, it's a second nature. Like I said, you know, it's a general thing for me, Yeah. you know, but it's so, it's, it's so interesting for people when they come in, especially like when my interns, they come in and they get starstruck for about 30 minutes, you know, and then yeah, like, yeah, yeah. they have to get into work now. Yeah. So then it becomes after they're done by the, by the end of the, like the two to three weeks that they're there, they're like, ah, oh, this just, there's Junior Dos Santos right there. Yeah. What's up, Junior? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. When they first come in, like, oh my God, it's Junior Dos Santos. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like, <laughs> It's, it's like that for a minute and then they're all like, okay, I got to work now. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. So it's good though because I get these young kids to come in and, you know, they're, they're straight out, straight out of university, you know, and they really have no real idea how it, how, you know, what it takes or how it, how it is inside of a training facility and working with these high level athletes. And you got to understand, you need to always have the ability to auto-regulate and have a plan B and, and work your way around things. Yeah. And you don't get that in a university. Like they don't talk, they don't teach you that. You know what I mean? Yeah, they don't yeah. teach you the art of coaching and how to super, read people. Yeah, it's super structured, but you yeah. always got to be able to be flexible. Yeah, yeah. So it was funny, man. I get these guys coming in and they're like, well, shouldn't you do it like this? And I'm like, okay, try to do it like that. Like they want to back squat. I'm like, try to back squat, see what happens. Cause you can't. Yeah. Like I know I tried it. I've been doing this for 10 years. Yeah. I already know just from ramifications and, and experience and what happens when the ramifications of what happens when you try to load that particular movement pattern. Yeah. It's not going to look good unless they have the prerequisites and we test them first. Yeah. So it's, it's funny, but you know, I always like to have these, these kids come in and, and see, you know, really what it's about, you know? And then some of them are like, man, this is one, this wasn't for me. And some of them are like, this is exactly what I want to do, you know? So yeah. you really find out who you are and what you want to do because you won't find that out in school. That's one thing I yeah. will, you know, I will let you know, guys know that are listening. You, know, you after, won't find after it. After like 
like going through so much and having like what I would say it's like a pretty successful career in strength and conditioning because you're pretty much at the top with like some of the best fighters in the world. Mm. Um, like let's say your kids, do you want to put them in MMA mm. or football or are you like, oh, I don't know about these concussions and stuff yeah, like this? Yeah, it's funny because my, my son, I'm like right there with how, it. how old is he now? He's four. He's going to be five in August. So I'm like, I'm right there. Like he's in jujitsu now. Oh, tight. Yeah. So he'll do jujitsu. He'll learn how to box. He'll learn how to kickbox. Yeah. If he wants to there's fight. less concussions than jujitsu. Yeah, there's barely any. <laughs> yeah, barely any. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, wrestling definitely. You know, this yeah. just builds character. Yeah, you know, yeah, it builds yeah. Tough. You know, hard work and a toughness. Yeah. You know that you. I mean, I always say like you know people are born tough and then that it comes out of them in certain ways. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you have it or you don't, and you'll find out through trial and error and through tests. Yeah. And some people can you know, I think that they have certain qualities about them Yeah, that it takes a certain experience to bring it out of them. That's true. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So we'll see if he has it. I think, he, I mean, between me and his mother, we, we both are very tough individuals, you know, yeah. and that's why we work together very well too. So, I mean, I think that with that, he may have the, one thing I, I will say is he definitely is a lot more intelligent than me. <laughs> like, like this kid, I, he amazes me with like the stuff that he knows and learns already, yeah. you know, and how he can put together sentences and, you know, he, that's awesome. It's just crazy. You know how he soaks up so much information. Yeah. With me, I was more of an athlete from the jump, you know, like, and I don't know if he has that gene in him yeah. just yet, you yeah, know, yeah. cause I just don't want to push into things he don't want to do. I just want to make sure that, you know, I'll give him all these opportunities to do whatever he wants. Yeah. And then we'll see what sticks, you know, but yeah. I'm definitely going to make sure that he has a wide general base of movement quality and he learns different sports and learns through different cultures Yeah, because I don't want him to be one track minded. I want him yeah. to, to see all these things and then he can make the decision, you know, later on. How many kids do you have now? I have two stepdaughters and my son. So I have three kids and my stepdaughter. That's a full plate right yeah, there. I have a 16 year old, a 13 year old, and then my four year old. Oh, so damn. 16 year old is just crazy, man. It's, 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 it's funny for me because my wife is eight years older than me. So okay. I'm, I'm 30 years old. She's 38. Okay. And um, so when I go to like the high school, they like look at my ID and they're like, they look at it like, I would have been like 14, maybe 13 when I had her. So it'd be like, they try to give me those looks and I'm like, it's all right. You know? And, and it's funny though when I get those looks because I, I know what they're thinking, Yeah, you know, but, and honestly, we live in a good neighborhood. So it was way different from where I grew up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And like tattoos, you know, beard. Yeah. You know, yeah, pretty, yeah. Pretty big in my opinion. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty muscular a little bit. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I, I get those looks, but I always greet them with a smile. I think that that's one thing that people have to do. Um, or at least I have to do if you have that look upon yourself, you know, and yeah. when you greet somebody with a smile, it changes their whole demeanor about you. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think that. That's always smile first. Yeah. You have yeah, to. Yeah. Always man. make eye to. contact, smile first, let people know, Hey, like I'm just a regular dude. For sure. Yeah. 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 And that's funny now doing like the social media stuff and YouTube and like when people meet me for the first time, especially like in seminars, they like, they don't know how to approach me a little bit. Yeah. And because they just don't know me like that. Yeah. And I'm always like super open. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want to be open because I don't want them to have like this, like, you know, drawn back, you know, feeling for me, you know? Yeah, I thought it was super cool. So like the guy I brought today, Nick, mm -hmm. he's actually my buddy striking coach. Mm -hmm. um, but I like joining their classes on Fridays. I just bounce yeah. around and stuff. And it was just, I thought it was so cool that 
uh, you were just down to just talk to him the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, it was, it was dope. Yeah, that was one thing. Like I always make sure I do. Like especially on like social and stuff like that. If you, if you like put yourself out there and try to like talk to me or you know DM me or whatever, I make it a point to to you know at least message every one of the people that DM me back. Yeah, you know, and I'll take the time to do it. Like I'll take an hour and a half throughout the day, maybe be the end of the night, you know, before I go to sleep and. You know, I'll make sure that I answer everybody's comments or DMs or whatever the case. Yeah. And then when they see me, I'm always open to speak to them, you know. And I think because you have a lasting memory with that. Yeah. You know, I want to make sure that I'm I'm able to influence as much people as I possibly can through the knowledge that I've gained. Yeah. But also just just to make people happy. Yeah. You know, I just think to be a good human being. Yeah, yeah. Like that fills a void in my life because at the end of the day, I I, I want to make sure that I'm being known for that type of, of power. Like I want to be known for the person that influences everyone in the right ways. Yeah. You know, and by the time I'm gone, you know, people will remember me as being the most likable and trustworthy and just approachable human being that they ever met. That's you know? awesome. Look, man, thank you so much. It, that, that was our time. The hour went by super fast. Yeah. And uh, it was a super big inspiration to um, talk to you. Let me, let me turn this off. It blows, blows our headphones out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a super big inspiration cool, to talk man. to you. And it was one of the hardest workouts of my life, but it was super eye-opening. And yeah. I love testing myself in that way because then I'm just yeah. like, now I could change my workouts. And it's super cool. Hopefully, I'm able to run into you someday if I ever go to Florida or something. Yeah, well, I'll be back. I'll be back in okay. California for sure, definitely. And yeah, if you ever come yeah. to Florida, you know what to do. Just yeah. come, come by. We'll, we'll make it work. Yeah. <laughs> Hit me up. Where, where can they find you if they want to learn more about you? Yeah, I mean, my website, www.derustrong.com. And Twitter, Derustrong. My Instagram is at Derustrong. And then um, as far as my YouTube, just search Phil Deru, and I'll be on that. That's dope. Yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. And I'll see you guys next time. Peace.